1: Ephesians 1 11 through 23 in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel and of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession in the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about his faith, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God.
2: i awesome.
3: Reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the sixth chapter. Speaking of Jesus, Luke tells us, looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as, e- as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But to you who are listening, I say love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now for some of you, this may be old hat. You may not understand all of this. But you may have someone in your life who needs to hear this. And you may have a way to pass these words on. You know, in the history of the church, various periods and days have been set aside for special times of remembrance and teaching. We have the four weeks of Advent, starting this year, November 27th. It prepares us for Christmas. We have Epiphany, the day when the wise men became the first people to worship Jesus as God on the earth. We have Ash Wednesday, when we remember that we come from dust, and to dust we will return. Followed by the 40 days of Lent, when we prepare for the great celebrations of Holy Week, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter we have Ascension Sunday, and then Pentecost, and then in the fall we have today, All Saints' Day, when we celebrate the men and women who have transferred to the Church of Heaven and are in Christ's presence today. This day is when we should particularly remember that in communion, in Holy Communion, we not only connect with the people here but with the billions of other believers who today will receive God's grace through Holy Communion. But we also connect to those billions of believers who received communion on earth in the past, but are now present with Christ. And still more, we connect with those believers who will, in the future, connect with us as one day they walk up to the communion table in their local churches and receive the bread and the wine. Personally, we may join with parents, with grandparents, aunts and uncles, great-grandparents going backwards through the generations to our first ancestors who heard the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that God has provided a way to overcome the deadly sins that destroy our lives and the lives of those around us. A way where the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ substitutes for the penalty that we should have paid and allows us to become right with God because we accept that Jesus has both the power and the love to grant us eternal life with God the Father. And the Holy Spirit given to baptized believers becomes a token, a promise of this eternal fellowship. If you have believed but have not yet been baptized or you wish your children to be baptized, contact me this week and we'll arrange that baptism. You know, I can't trace my family's Christian heritage back very far, but I discovered that a man named Charles Locke was the founding pastor at Nine Mile Methodist in Pleasants County, West Virginia in the mid-1800s. I preached there. That was the first church I preached at. His daughter was my great-grandmother and is buried at that cemetery. Pastor Locke eventually preached in Pittsburgh, in Oregon, in San Francisco, and in major eastern cities. His son became Bishop of the Minnesota Conference in the 1920s. Perhaps you also have a heritage of saints and your ancestors. <clears throat> but it's not only your ancestors who are important on All Saints Day, but your descendants. You may have children and grandchildren who are believers you may even have great-grandchildren or more who are believers and there are other people in our community whom you are influencing hopefully for Jesus Christ people are watching you and you have the opportunity to make an eternal difference in the destination of their souls be sure to be a good influence not only in behavior but in your daily speech your daily encounters with people your times when you speak of the good that God has done for you you know you may be the only Christian who takes a moment to help another person rescuing them from the darkness of despair the coldness of eternal loneliness the flames of eternal torment our world you see often appears like it's tearing itself apart because. That's not normal to speak kindly. But you know this tearing apart of the world should not be surprising for Christians. Many places in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, speak of the many people who are caught up in their sins. And the devil, the great liar, is also mentioned as the cause behind all that's bad in the world. And let us, our ancestors, to take and eat the apple in the garden we are involved in a great spiritual war a war where we are the underground fighting to prepare a world for the great invasion when christ returns we're fighting daily to let the people of the world know that there is a government in exile led by jesus who is waiting to return to our occupied world we're fighting to turn people from being unwitting collaborators of the devil to become loyal subjects of Jesus Christ, our rightful and wise king. We are fighting for the kingdom of heaven. And despite all the spiritual sickness and trouble in this world, the Bible is clear about who wins. Daniel, the Jewish man who was taken away to Babylon with his friends as a young man and rose to become the second most powerful man in the Babylonian Empire had a vision one day He asked an angel in his vision what he was seeing. And Daniel wrote about the response. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. It was a promise that no matter what appeared to be happening, no matter whether Babylon or Assyria or Greece or Rome ruled for a while, the holy people of the Most High would receive the kingdom in the future and possess it forever. God's people win. And That's why we continue to work to bring people to the side of Christ. Many years later, under Roman rule, Jesus spoke to a group of people. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter, you see, that you are poor today. It doesn't matter if your spirit is feeling poorly today. Yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus also continued in this way. He said, The world is different from the way you look at it. It says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. One day the kingdom will be here and you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, which was an expression Jesus often used to refer to himself. Jesus tells us to rejoice in that day of persecution, And leap for joy, because great is our reward in heaven. For, he says, that's how their ancestors treated the prophets. They despised them, but the prophets are in heaven. Jesus is saying that when people hurt you because you are associated with him, we should be happy because that's how the prophets of God were treated. It's like the question, if following Jesus became a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And then Jesus turned his attention to those who in his day were the rich and ruling class. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go on hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep woe to you when everyone speaks well of you for that's how their ancestors treated the false prophets when the bad times come people will go hungry they mourn and weep they are treated like false prophets they are taught well but they do not end up on top there are two teams jesus's team and the world But you know, in this battle, we shouldn't fight this war as people normally fight a contest. Jesus has another better way, because he doesn't want to make enemies, but instead to make enemies into followers. So he tells us what to do to bring people over to his side. To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And you can imagine the disciples going, what? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And you can see the eyes really rolling with the disciples. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as he would have them do to you. Now I was explaining this to a young friend one evening and after i went through that particularly the slapping you on the cheek and turning the other cheek he said that is crazy and yeah you know by the standards of this world the standards of a bunch of people who want to watch friday night fights all the time and person and on facebook it is crazy to people who love the warfare the mock warfare that we call football It's crazy to treat the other people nicely, but you know it's also the most effective way to lead people from being (coughs) enemies into becoming co-conspirators in the battle for control of the world, to move them from that side to our side. And I'll sum it up. Pity the enemies of Jesus, for we know that we win in the end. You have only two choices. You can either join the winning side or you will be in big trouble at the end. We are to love them and help them. And one day, these enemies of Jesus will change. Not all, but most will change. And then the army of Jesus will grow larger simply because we will become known as the nicest people to be around. Damage is done to the cause of Jesus when we fight like the world fights. You know, the average man or woman out there today is very lonely. We've all spent years fighting and arguing and pushing for our place in society. At school we fight, at work we fight, even trying to find a parking place we have to fight. But this is where Jesus changes things. For when people choose to follow Jesus, to follow his commands, the world around us becomes less hostile. Remember always that it takes two to continue a fight. And we who follow Christ are to be sneaky about it. We're to win over the centuries through love and kindness, not through our swords and not through our bullets and not through our fighting. We win through love and kindness. Have you ever noticed that there are kind people who wave you through the intersections ahead of themselves, people who hold the doors open for you, people who say nice things? You know, they're usually Christians when you ask them about it. And there are people who, who when you're driving, they will give you a wave with only one finger. There are people who barge ahead of you through the doors. There are people who shout nasty things at you. You know, they're usually not Christians. Now, which team, if you were neutral, would you rather be on? The team composed of a bunch of nice kind people or the team composed of people who shout at you. The Apostle Paul wrote about the difference between the Christ followers and the ordinary people. He was thankful because of the changed personalities he had seen and how these people had been chosen by God. For this reason, he said, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Folks, those of you who have been here for years, I know you give thanks for the people around you. Paul said, I keep asking that the Lord of our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. And then he asks specifics. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Eyes in the heart, thinking through our hearts, looking through our hearts. He says he wants us to know the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And he points out that the power that we have as believers is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all power and authority, rule and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who everything in every way Jesus has been appointed by God to rule the church as our Lord the one to which we are to bow and obey because he is worthy and through his program, his gracious method of converting enemies into followers through the actions of ourselves and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is also the rightful king of the earth his kingdom is already here look around you today look around you right now you see people who are citizens of this kingdom we're different people we're a different culture from the culture of the world around us and that's why we celebrate the saints who have gone on before us, the saints around us and the saints who will be here in the future we are different we are set apart so I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and shake their hand and tell them that you so appreciate that they are in God's army of goodness with you. Dave, are you sitting alone? Oh, okay. oh, <laughs> that's why we sit close together, isn't it? That's also why that's also why that if you have not yet decided to follow Jesus and been baptized, you're welcome here to join Jesus' kingdom. Here is the kingdom of God, this small portion of it, a place where we don't fight, but we love. It's a place where we don't hold grudges, but we forgive. It's a place where mistakes can be made and lessons learned, and people will be supported. They won't tear you down. Here's the place... Where we can all be accepted by god and the other members of the kingdom if only we will admit to god our past mistakes and allow him to forgive us and welcome us back into his loving arms it's a different place than the world you know many years ago a man who cared deeply about the people around him looked at them and he saw that they were fighting they were fighting each other. They were fighting the government. government was fighting them. They were fighting each other. They were fighting inside their families. They were fighting outside their families. They were not having pleasant lives. They were scrambling for existence. And what he realized was that maybe he could bring these people together by simply inviting them to eat dinner with him. And he did that. And the world began to change starting with him and his friends his name was jesus and one day jesus will rule the entire world so why not surrender to him today and enjoy being in the kingdom of god